Hey, everybody, the Vintage Strength Games are coming to Clayton, North Carolina on June 2nd to the 4th. June 2nd to the 4th. Go to VintageStrengthGames.com for more information and to sign up. Also, make sure you go on Facebook and you join the Vintage Strength Games Facebook group. Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. This is the Steel Mace Nation podcast. My name is Fred Moore, and Jeffrey Oaks is back for a third podcast. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. This is actually the first time I've done a podcast and then come back and done it again. So I uh, really appreciate you and everything that you do for the Steel Mace community. Yeah, I hope to you know get everybody to come back because then that way um, the conversation continues, right? There's always stuff we could have talked about in the last episode. I don't know what we talked about, but somehow I feel like there's always that you pick, kind of pick up where you left off with people, you know? Yeah, yeah. I actually just took a listen to, um, you know, some excerpts from the podcast we did, which was, I think, about four years ago now. Um, and I have a feeling we're going to talk about some of the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the stuff that we like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but you were asking me how my shoulder was, and uh, this is the first time uh, I'm getting an opportunity on the podcast. I crashed my, my snowboard up in Vermont, uh, just caught a bad edge and I went flying and literally landed right on my shoulder. We thought it was dislocated up in the mountain. They brought me down, went for x-rays. They were like, no, you got a bunch of torn ligaments. And then, um, I, uh, followed up with the ortho yesterday and he said, it's uh, torn stretched. You're going to need rehab. And I said, when can I start rehab? Because, you know, I'm itching, raring and go. And he said, um, yeah, book it, start doing it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, um, the the thing that the doctor said, he, said, he goes, oh, so you were snowboarding. I said, yeah, I know. And I'm I'm 49 and you're going to tell me I was, I'm too old. Like everybody else has been telling me since I told them, right? All these people are like, oh, you're too old. You're too old. Like chastising me for being out there. I said, doc, I'm going back. You know why I'm going back? Because you got to live life. I'm not going to be scared. And I mean, my my whole thought is once you start getting scared of things that you've been doing for 20, 30 years just because you get hurt, then you're going to start a, a bad pattern. You're going to go down that same path. What do you think? Do you think that that's true or more like just making up some crazy stuff? No, man, I think that holds water. I would also, you know, challenge the idea and say that it's it's okay to be afraid of something. You do it anyway, then you're just flexing bravery and courage. Right. Which it does what? Makes you stronger. Yeah. It overcomes resistance. I mean, I think it's, it's okay to be afraid of something, especially, um, you know, if there's risk involved, risk of injury, re-injury, it's good to have a healthy respect for the activities. Um, and I would choose to not let that fear stop you from doing something that you want to go do. 
Um, 49 is not too old to be on a snowboard, man. At least I don't want it to be because I'm not that far away from that myself. Um, <laughs> and I, I haven't been on a snowboard in many, many years. But I do think that fear is not necessarily the thing that's going to detract from the experience. Um, now, it, fear could be the thing that stops you. Right. But if you decide to take a rep of overcoming that fear, then you're doing a rep of showing courage and bravery, which is, uh, you know, a great example to set for the next generation. Exactly. And I, the thing is, I go up there with my family, my wife and my daughter both ski. Um, I'm the knuckle dragger. I'm the snowboarder. All right. I tell my daughter, uh, yeah, just talk to skiers. You don't want to talk to snowboarders. They're not, they're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> they're not normal. But yeah. that, my wife said, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to get back up there. I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, because you know, your daughter's going to be watching. I said, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're, you're a family man. Yeah. This is the way you think too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, my daughter's at a place where, uh, she's three now, actually the last time we chatted, she was a newborn and we were talking a bit about that. Yes. Uh, now she's at a, at a phase where she knows the phrase I'm too scared. So if there's something that she doesn't want to do, a lot of times she'll say, I'm too scared. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, she also knows phrases that I've taught her, like, I am brave, I am courageous, I am resilient. And then, then when we have the conversation, I say, it, it's okay, honey. It's okay to be scared. You're brave. You can do this anyway. And I'll ask her to say it after me. And I get her to do it. And she'll say, okay, I am brave. And sometimes she'll do the thing, you know, sometimes she'll still, you know, be in fear, but we're, you know, it's, it's a process. We're working on it. But to me, it's, it's okay to be afraid. I, I would rather her learn to overcome fear than not experience fear. Yeah, because you can't be there with them forever. And there are, there's always going to be something that scares somebody. Scary world. You got to teach them, give them the tools, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think that's a lot of the stuff that you're putting out on Instagram. Um, is it me or have you been really honing in on that lately? Um, I'm looking forward to whatever your posts are. I know I don't even want – they're not just positive messages. Of course they're positive. Everybody has something positive. But they're like actionable, realistic, practical, and I almost feel like um, um, something that a person can use to – to modify their life in certain ways. Is that what you're trying to achieve with a lot of your messages that you're? I, I couldn't have said it better, brother. Um, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, and yes, there has been a concerted effort over the last uh, several weeks to put more of that out there. I've decided I want to engage my audience with those kind of messages uh, more frequently and with more deliberation. And that's exactly what I want it to be. I want it to be practical. I want it to be actionable. I want it to be little nuggets and tidbits that you can take with you for your week, for your day, for your month. Uh, and I like to have some like, um, you know, continuity involved as well. So I like to think that I'm, I'm building on concepts as opposed to just throwing out little random things here and there. The other thing that I, I'm really trying to do with that is, you know, a lot of the self-development world self-improvement can be and feel very complex and intimidating yeah and i'm trying to distill it down to 
just little things that you can go do that are that are super important to the foundation of an individual. Yeah, that's so important. I think you're right about that. Um, I always think of that that when I was a kid, there was always like there was be an old guy somewhere, like a gruff kind of scraggly old guy, yeah, and you're yeah. like, well, you know, this girl she doesn't like me, and and you know, I don't like my job, and they're just they just cut right through all the bullshit. <laughs> Yeah. And they just say, yeah. you know, I like it, then fix it, do this. Now, go ahead. And you're like, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yep. Right, yep. but you're, you're not the scraggly old guy. You're you're not at all. That's not what I meant by that. But the <laughs> – I did, I did shave, but I was a little scraggly earlier this week. I'll take it. You know what? I'm, I'm good to step into the scraggly old man identity. I'm ready for it. I've been working on it for <laughs> no, 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 a few decades no. now, so I've, it's cool. Cool. No, I, I just meant in terms of the um, just that attitude, you know, yeah. but you uh, you're more refined. Your messages are a little bit more than just, eh, you know, just do it. You know, you're <laughs> you, you, you kind of got some uh, some meat to, the, to what you're doing, which I think is actually better. You know, um, people respond to that more. So where do you get your how do you get motivated? Where is this, where does you get where do you get your um, ideas from? you know, all over the place. Um, a lot of times, some of the things that I've, I've put out in some of those recordings we're talking about right now are, are things that I've caught myself saying in coaching sessions with my clients and students. And I just kind of remember that, like if something really lands with somebody that I'm working with one-on-one, -on -one, um, I just remember it. I make a quick note. And then a lot of times, as soon as the coaching session's over, I'll, I run, I, I go right outside, start walking through the woods, start refining the message in my head, quick record it and, and get it out there. Wow. That's awesome that you could do that. Um, I know that sometimes I, I love that because the idea is popping in your head in the moment of something. It's, so it's genuine. It's yeah. real. Yeah. What's amazing is that you actually remember it to use it later <laughs> because, I mean, how many times have I said stuff where I was like, wow, where did that come from? And I'm, in my head, I'm like, wow, that's not amazing. Yeah. And then I can't remember what the hell I said. That's why so, I like to strike when the iron is hot, you know, when um, like immediately after a coaching session, like I said, like I'll say something, I just make a quick note of it in my head. I always take notes when I'm coaching, um, you know, stuff that, you know, I remember for the next time I check in with somebody. Um and like I said, I, I, I take a walk, I start refining the message, I recite it over in my head a few times. It might take me a couple of takes to, to get it right, um, but, I, but I like to get it done right away while it's still fresh in my head. I had uh, one really great idea for a post um, when I was waking up in the morning one time and I decided to uh, you know, go back to sleep for a little bit. I know it was a great idea, I still haven't remembered what it was. Oh man, you got robbed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I ro well, I robbed myself. Yeah, I I did. I let um I let my lack of motivation to get up take away that one idea. It's all good. Yeah. Did Did you ever hear about those people like musicians or writers stuff? They keep a notepad by their bed and then they wake up at two three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And they start yeah. writing shit down and they're up till the sun comes up and then they, yeah. <laughs> you know, they like the whole morning is just. But that's where like oh that song came just in my head when I, yep. it came from another place, man. They were dreaming. And then they woke up with that dream and literally slapped it on some paper and yep. then went and made it into a song, a book, a movie or something like that. 
that is crazy. Do you think that there's like anything mystical about that kind of thing where you have dreams and you bring them out into the real life or is it just bringing your subconscious to the conscious? I mean, bringing your subconscious to the conscious is kind of a mystical process in a way. So um, I would say that's yeah, yes to both. Um, I'm one of those people, actually. I have a ton of little notebooks like this. I actually, um, I have a joke with our, our friend, uh, Zach Yannick, Frankenlegs, that he and I both have large collections of notebooks. Like if I, if I mean, just look around this room, there are at least a dozen notebooks and journal with, within, within immediate reach. Um, I usually have one of these things uh, in my pocket. I keep, uh, I keep one by where I sleep. And for me, when I wake up it, it, and write stuff down, it's typically more creative. I actually, um, that's when I might write some like poetry or prose or something like that. Um, but the muse is going to strike when the muse strikes. It's, it's not an entity that you can control. You might be able to influence, you might be able to occasionally summon it, but sometimes it's just going to, it's going to strike you when it does and you got to be ready for it. I was in, um, walk in the woods, a long hike uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I had this really, really awesome encounter with a deer, like where it was on the pathway, just about you now 15, 20 yards in front of me. And it was kind of just like circling around. And I started, I just kept walking the way I was. I started going. Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us go to freedomstrength.us when you make your purchase use the discount code smn10 to receive your discount real real slowly but as i got closer and closer to it it like became aware of me and it didn't run and we had this like really felt like a very magical connection for a moment like eye contact like I mean, so close like i could see deep into its eyes and eventually yeah. she 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 turned and ran away but like in that moment i something struck me <clears throat> something came to mind it connected some stuff that was going on in my personal life with this beautiful encounter and thank goodness i had one of these notebooks in my pocket i sat down and and wrote for 20 minutes and came up with uh i mean a pretty decent piece of writing it probably could use some refining but um but i was happy enough with it to share it with a with someone and yeah, really cool experience. You just got to be ready when the muse strikes. Yeah. You know what? I started carrying a notepad around, but sometimes I forget it. Um, so you seem like you're pretty good at keeping notes and you mentioned you keep notes when you train clients. You're um, now you train steel mace flow and anything else with people. <laughs> Yeah, movement-wise, uh, it's it's mostly steel mace flow. Um, I do teach like a kettlebell and Bulgarian bag class once a week, and I do oh, a little cool. bit a little bit of stuff with that. Um, I'm not a certified yoga teacher, but I do occasionally integrate a little bit of that into my coaching. Um, a lot of the coaching where I'm like actively taking notes is going to be more like mindset goal setting coaching, um, where we're actually having a conversation like this. I might be supporting someone through something that they're going through, working through a story, helping them set some goals. And that's where I will find myself spewing out something that I think that is worthy of getting out to the rest of the world as soon as I can. Yeah. Wow. So, um, you got you're you're training people to be steel mace coaches, right? Um, they they come to you. They come anybody. Uh, Leo, um, Serena, Jamie, 
Oh, the whole gang, Zach. Um, but you're one of those guys. Um, do you do you um tell people they should keep a notebook when they do steel makes flow when they coach people? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. To me, it's one of the, like um one of the greatest tools available. The the pen is as mighty as the sword. It's as mighty um, as the mace. It's as mighty as the mace. Thank you, thank you. Good, good catch. I like that. Um, and and it, and it's also a very very effective magic wand. I mean, you can make magic with uh with ink and paper. So yeah, I absolutely encourage people always keep a notebook. And you know, our our phones are great for that as well. I think you know, regardless of what kind of phone you have, it has some kind of like note taping taking app available to it. But there's there's something to me that's more connected and actually writing something down. There's, there's, there's more of a getting something out of your head and getting it into a really tangible place. So I'm a big, big fan of taking notes and yeah, I absolutely encourage people to do the same. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, you said you write, you might write down some poetry or prose, yeah. you're writing down thoughts and ideas. So you're sort of a warrior poet. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, use the I use the hashtag, uh, unabashedly. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I, I think we're all tripped out on the warrior concept. I, I've been running with that every friggin' podcast I do now because it's just such a deep, um, a deep concept that seems to be had by all of us in the steel mace community. I, for one, would like to promote the warrior mindset to the whole world or at least to the United States. Like, us people here, it would be great the whole world, but I don't want to be too greedy. But at least get everybody here start thinking like warriors. I almost feel like that that's a way we could um, make life better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the cool thing about what what I see as the warrior mindset is that it includes a lot more than war. I think that you know a true warrior, yes, prepares for war, but they also prepare for peace. And when I look back at what I consider to be some of the most influential, popular, and inspiring like warrior archetypes, I think of like people like the Spartans, uh, the samurai. These are these are warrior classes that had a strong appreciation for the arts. You know, they didn't depict it in the in the three hundred movie, but the Spartans were also musicians and poets. There's anecdotes of them, you know, on their long walks to battle, singing songs and playing instruments. Uh, samurai were often painters and um, had a, a strong practice of uh, calligraphy, which is a, an art form in itself. So I, I think that's the really cool thing about what the true warrior mindset is, is it's, yes, you're preparing for war or also preparing for peace. Yeah. And you're... You're, uh, I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, artists, people, you know, they're singing and all this stuff. At the end of the day, that's what everybody just wants to do. They want to do, go do their art, do their singing, go bake something, just hang out, sit by a stream and, and play a harp or whatever. But they also know, like, well, there is this, like, situation where we got to be uh, ready for battle. So they take it, they take it on. And they continue doing all the other stuff they love. And they take it on with gusto. And the messages behind it are like the messages that you deliver on your Instagram. Like, 
the warrior mindset. It's it's there. It's like it it cuts through the through the BS and it teaches us what's important, right? And how and how to look at things differently. Yeah, absolutely. And to to have that appreciation for the arts and the things that can really enrich the lives of those who are not part of the warrior class. Because that's really one of the jobs of the warrior is to be of service to those who are not warriors. Right. Yes, that's really awesome. And that service goes beyond just fighting and protecting. Now, fighting and protecting is certainly an important part of it, but I think that their enriching is also a very important part of it, and so is providing service. Would you say that um, Steel Mace Flow has helped you tap into this warrior mindset more? Uh, or I know you were involved with martial arts too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you, or was that already kind of in you? Because you were doing martial arts before you did Steel Mace Flaw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do have a long history of martial arts. I'm a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioner. Um, started in Taekwondo when I was a very young child as well. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely say that it's it's had a strong contribution, especially in my adult life, because a lot of times we see these things as very separate, like. Um, you know, I might go to jujitsu and then sit down after jujitsu and write a poem, but they're almost separate experiences, even though they might be happening in the same place. Um, and one thing I really like about Steel Mace Flow is that there's a bit of that combat warrior, you know, practice, but there's also this great opportunity for creativity and and expression. So I think it absolutely can can help bridge the gap between the perceived disconnect between what we typically think of when we think of a warrior in terms of like the fighting and war and the the more peaceful practices like art and expression. Okay, so you're uh you're tapping into uh, with Steel Mace Flow, you're tapping into the warrior mindset but it's uh helping you separate the the war stuff with the with the finer refined things right yeah i feel like it actually helps me like connect and bring those things together that's really cool and that's a interesting thing because so you were doing mm uh, not mma doing martial arts um and you already kind of were developing your warrior mindset and then steel mace flow comes along and that helped add another level to that yeah absolutely and it, and it helped me get back to uh other practices that i had let sit by the wayside for years like i went you know years without writing when i was younger i used to write a lot i used to write a lot of poetry really bad poetry to be perfectly honest but i used to write a lot of it mm -hmm. um and you know over the years that that practice kind of died down as i got into martial arts and you know exercise lifting and stuff like that um and I, I did come across Steel Mace Flow at a time in my life where I was already starting to reintegrate it, but that absolutely helped because, because I found a place where my movement was also starting to spark more creativity. And so, so then that creativity was coming out in other forms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So is that, do you think that that's the main uh, catalyst for that right there is it sparks creativity or because um, I always feel like doing Steel Mace Flow slows me down, which I'm not slowing down a lot nowadays. So it's like 
I need something to slow me down. But doesn't that change your perspective too? Sure. I think when uh, something slows you down, you you have more opportunity to explore. Yeah. So is that something that you found yourself doing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Steel Maze Flow was was integral into uh, getting to the place I'm, I'm at now in terms of what you're talking about of the warrior mindset. Absolutely. That is really cool. You know, that's something that comes up a lot. Uh, just had Leo on the podcast. Um, and we talked about that. I keep bringing it up. You know, the audience is going to get sick of me talking about this, I think, or they're going to, they're going to love it. But uh, I think it's important. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in our current culture, we, we cultivate a lot of fighters. Yeah. But, but we don't necessarily cultivate a lot of warriors. And, and I, and I think there, there is a difference, um, you know, in all respect to the fighters, I have fighters in, in, in my life who I love dearly that are very close to me. Um, but the, the fighters, that's what they know. And that's what they do. The, the, it's, it's fight, fight, fight. That is, that is the response. That is the reaction. The, the warriors cultivate um, other responses and other reactions. The fighters are there for when you need to fight. Like I said, the warriors engage in, in peaceful practice as well. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know, I think the same way too. And, and yeah, no disrespect to the, the fighters who are just on that track, especially when they just get going. That's what they need, right? They need that focus. Um, and but, we need them too. You know, we, we absolutely need them too. Yeah. We need, yeah. I think everyone needs people in your lives that you can just like throw at a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. Like go, right. go, go fight through this. Help, help back me up while I fight through this. You know, it's funny in the fire department. So I got about 20 years on now. So I'm, I'm like an older guy. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not moving as fast to go to a fire now because I'm just like, ah, it's just another fire. But the younger guys, I remember being like that. And, you know, you, you feel a little back, you know, when you're like that, you feel a little, a little out of control, a little wild, but the, the older guys always rein you in. But that is like your like if you mentioned the Spartan Warriors, that's like your phalanx or something like that. Yeah. That's like your you know what I mean? Like those guys right there, they will go through the friggin' wall for you or anybody. We just gotta point them there and they'll go. So that's that's what's that's what's um what it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, I like that analogy a lot. Yeah. So now with Steel Mace Flow, um, are you, are you, um, you're coaching people, but are you coming up with like anything new, innovative or anything, you know, like, is there going to be a possibility of like a, a level three coming out and I'm getting the, the early word on it here? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's, it's, it's always a growing practice. And that's one thing that I really like about Steel Mace Flow is that, um, to me, it's a very encompassing practice. Um, like Steel Mace Flow includes strength and conditioning. Steel Mace Flow includes artistic expression. Um, so I'd say that the, the practice, practice is, you know, continuing to evolve. In fact, we just put out what you might consider to be like level 1.5 in the, uh, the evolution, which came out like back in October. Um, so yeah, I think that Steel Mace Flow still has room to grow. 
Um, I don't I don't have any information about level three or anything like that. Um, uh, I just know that we're, we're we're continuing to work on getting more level two coaches out there. Um, in fact, um, I believe you're talking to the alchemist Jamie Pinto next week. Jamie and I are going to be uh, running another level two group mentorship here pretty soon. I believe we're going to start in March. So where's um, here? Uh, here, here on the on the uh, on the web, here in the oh. in the ether. Like, okay. Uh, I might hear more like in the present, like that's coming up soon as opposed right. to in a, in a specific place. It'll be an online program. Um, we're going to be very focused on that for a little bit. Um, I do have a couple of projects I'm working on that will be, um, you know, not necessarily steel mace flow products, but are absolutely steel mace flow products in a way. So, um, you know, everything I do uh, is, is steel mace flow in a way. So That's but, very interesting. Uh, there, there is some stuff that I... I, I have a speciality in and that I'm going to look to um, to get something out there to to help people see what I'm working on as well. Nice. And you're going to keep us notified of uh, when this stuff is available, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in the um, the early production phases. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of my students know I'm a big fan of the uh, the steel mace Kimura grip. You know, yeah. I'm a big fan because of my jujitsu experience as well. And I, I, I've run a couple of workshops um, focusing specifically on this grip and different various ways to use it. And um, I've, I've been, I started the process of uh, taking that workshop and, um, you know, exploring how I can deliver that information more. So, well. So can you, with, I know you, it's, you got to learn about it in the workshop. So I'm not asking sure. for all these details that are probably oh, okay. hard to explain rather than show. Right. But the Kimura grip does look strong. It looks powerful. It, it looks does. fun. It is. So uh, what are, what are some of the benefits of learning it? Well, um, for the thing I really like about it is, and, and this is just like part of my general philosophy of training right now is it translates to my other movement disciplines. Like if I practice moving the mace around in a Kimura grip, um, when I'm in jujitsu and I establish a Kimura grip on somebody's arm, I'm going to be a bit stronger there. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to move it around a bit more. Um, you know, go figure. I hit a lot of Kimuras in practice. So why not just, you know, friggin' keep doing more Kimuras until they just come off second nature, right? Right, right, absolutely. You know, uh, repetition, repetition, repetition. If um, you're, go ahead. Oh, and the, the other thing I was just going to add is that, you know, you mentioned that it's strong. Um, it can also look very cool. Yeah. And, right. and I think it's completely okay to acknowledge that that's one of the really awesome things about Steel Mace Flow is just aesthetically, it looks really cool. Yeah. It's eye-grabbing. Um, whether you like what you see or you don't, it's going to grab your attention. That's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, the, you, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, people, when they do Steel Mace Flow, I'm sure somewhere in the back of their head, they're thinking, do I look cool right now or not? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's this normal human kind of thing. You don't want to sure. look goofy, right? Not sometimes I do, but, um, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, releasing to looking goofy is something that may come with age. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, right. but, but I do, I a hundred percent think it's, it's okay to acknowledge that steel mace flow looks cool. 
and that's something that I really like about it. Because when I'm out in the park flowing and I get a really good flow on, every once in a while I have that thought of like, I bet I look really cool right now. And I love it. <laughs> and I love it because it's when you have the sensation of like. Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable, made right here in the United States. Looking and feeling cool or looking and feeling beautiful, it's, it's kind of impossible in that same moment to feel depressed or to feel anxiety or to feel like the creeping darkness that a lot of people experience. So uh, to me, that the idea that aesthetically it looks cool is, is actually an important part of the practice. Yeah, that's very revealing too about the depth of the practice. Yeah, totally. Um, I know like Leo has talked a lot about how he's used steel mace flow to, to work on depression. I'm, I'm in that same camp, brother. Um, I, I've, I've used steel mace flow to work a lot on my own experiences with depression and anxiety, and I use it with my students to work on theirs. It's extremely effective in that regard. Yeah, you know, when you uh, try to learn new moves and, and maybe like start getting fancy, like coin flips, juggling, things like that, even if you're just doing it for your own benefit, away from other people's eyes, and maybe you don't even look that good doing it. The act, the process focuses you. Um, it takes your mind off of things that maybe you don't need to be thinking about anymore. Or right, sure. get yeah, you out of that that headspace that you were in. Yeah, and objectively, you may not look cool. Like, I mean, I've, I've set up my camera many times and gone through a flow and thought I looked awesome, went back and reviewed the tape and went like, oh no, I did not look awesome at all. I looked, <laughs> I might've looked goofy and out of alignment and, or whatever, but, but that doesn't matter because what matters is that in that moment, I felt like I did. And if I, Boom. and if someone feels like they look awesome, they're going to feel awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. You're right. You know, we, for lack of a better word, it is awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah. That's like, that's awesome what you're saying. And um, it's kind of like the fake it till you make it thing, which I talked about with your buddy, Zach Yannick, not that long ago. I'm on the podcast. He said he was a big believer in the fake it till you make it thing. And he even said he has a tattoo on his arm or something. I'm like, well, okay. That's yeah, wild yeah. tattoo to have. But yeah. Uh, when you start doing things, even if uh, you're not doing them well, but you're doing it and it's making you feel good, then it's making you feel good. It's just right. erasing all the other stuff. Absolutely. And whether you like the expression, fake it till you make it or believe it till you live it, um, you know, it's all the same spirit of stepping into the identity. Yeah. And that's really what it's about is you're you're taking a step towards the identity of someone who is powerful, someone who looks amazing while they're moving or, or whatever identity it is that you're wanting to step into, whatever it is you think you're trying to fake or believe, it's ultimately you're just taking a step towards that. Yeah. Now you're, you're big on um, coaching people um, toward stuff like this with, with things like that. And um, I've heard it, I've done it myself. Um, it's a popular thing where you, uh, okay, I'm going to become um, a coach and it's your first day on the job and you don't feel like a coach. You have, you know, the that fraud identity. 
Yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah, po- yes, yeah, yeah. imposter syndrome. Uh, but people say, well, just keep saying it because eventually it'll come true. But you have to put yourself into that. Is is that something that like some somebody such as yourself who is now coaching people on these topics? Do you still do that even to this day? Does that become Every like day. a really so Every like it never goes away? I mean, maybe for some people it does. Uh, for me, it's just part of my discipline practice. Um, every day that I coach somebody in the morning, I, with a very deep breath, I say out loud, I'm a world-class coach. I'm a badass coach. That's I tell, awesome. I, I tell it to myself every day. I got to start doing that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, w- I would appreciate that if I went to a coach and they did that because then that – shows me how much they actually care. Yeah, and if if you're a coach, if someone's trusting them or trusting you with their, you know, part of their mind, part of their body, part of their spirit, you you got to take it seriously. You, you got to want to be world class, a badass or whatever whatever identity of coach you want to be, you got to take the steps to move towards that because people are trusting you. There's a responsibility there. It's yeah. A great beautiful and honorable responsibility, but it's one that should absolutely be taken seriously. Yeah. And you know, if, if the person's not saying that to themselves, what are, what would they be saying then? Like, Oh, I got to just coach this guy and then I'll go to lunch and then, uh, right. You're, you're, you might go down the the negative path. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Our self-talk will run amok if, if unchecked. So it's, to me, really important to actively engage in the self-talk. And like I said, I, I still do that every day. It's part of my morning meditation routine, um, speaking affirmations and mantras to myself. And if I ever encounter the imposter along the way throughout the day, which I do, it's, I think, a very normal thing. Um, I'll go back to it. Like, I'll right before I open up Zoom for a, a mindset coaching session with somebody, if I'm feeling that way, take a big breath. I'm a world class coach. Fire it up and get to work. So you just say it and then just get right into it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, there is a little bit more to just saying it. You know, there there is the repetition. You got to socialize yeah. the idea. You got to you got to believe it. And with breath, with a nice deep breath, you're more likely to accept the idea. It's it's a little bit of like self-hypnosis, so to speak. You 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 make yourself a little bit more open and almost suggestible with a deep breath whereas opposed to if you're like hyperventilating or whatever because you're a little bit nervous or maybe your breath is shallow and trapped in your chest um you're not going to be as receptive to an idea but if you're calm you're down regulated you're you're thinking and speaking slowly you're going to accept the idea so the breath gets you uh tells your body tells your nervous system to kind of shift gears right Exactly. Speaking exactly. slowly is is also going to slow everything. That's doing a nice slow steel mace flow yeah. is going to slow everything down. Yeah. Sometimes I admit I will slow my speech down just so I can kind of let my brain catch up. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people are guilty of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean you're you you pay attention to how you speak. Yeah, when part of your job is to speak for a living, it's absolutely a very important detail. Yeah. What happens if you're talking to a a client 
you're having a bad day, you didn't slow yourself down, you didn't tell yourself you're the best coach in the world, and then, you know, you say something that you didn't mean to say, and then you have to walk it back with them. What happens is you can send a confusing message. No. Yeah, I mean, you and instead of uh, helping someone find clarity, which is often what they come to a coach for, you you may help them find confusion. And in some in some ways, confusion can be a good thing. But I think in the situation we're talking about, we're we're talking about the kind of confusion that would be that would come from a mixed signal and 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 leave someone in a place where they're you know they're already in a state of confusion needing clarity which is why they came to you in the first place and then they're walking away with more of it as opposed to what they were looking for when you coach people um are you seeing changes in them um yeah not the physical we know why you know we know what that is but are you seeing changes in them uh with their with their attitude and and their perception of life and everything, are you seeing stuff that happens almost within a first few sessions of coming to you? And you are, and then are you seeing how how does it look as time goes on? And you know, like think of your longest client maybe and that you've had around. Yeah, what, what happens? The messages that I receive from them are are incredible. Um, I, there's one gentleman I think in, I think of in particular I've been working with for a couple of years now who, uh, when we first started working together, was a mess of anxiety, had a lot of negative self-talk. And now every once in a while, when something goes really well for him or he makes something go really well for himself, he'll just send me a picture of a king sitting on a throne. Oh, and, wow. And I don't even know, like, exactly what the context is or what happened. I just knew, like, this guy, he just did something awesome, and I'm going to get to hear about it on our next session. Yeah, so, right. So we took took someone from, you know, being trapped in their own anxiety and shallow breath to now he's living and seeing himself like a king. That is huge. So how does that make you feel as a coach and, you know, what – uh, does that just make? Well, you tell me. How does it make you feel? Like a world class coach, baby. That, <laughs> that's uh, that's an awesome thing. And you know, a lot of coaches talk about this stuff. They'll say, "Hey, you know, uh, I got a few clients. Um, they're off of drugs now. They're they're not drinking anymore. Their relationships are better." Yeah. What's happening there? What's happening to people? They're getting more comfortable with themselves. Um, you know, a lot of people use drugs and alcohol to, to numb and get away from themselves. When someone who has been numbing themselves or trying to run from something stops running, stops running from the fear and starts expressing courage and, and bravery, um, they, they face themselves more. They get more comfortable with themselves. Yeah, better better ownership over the inner dialogue that that thing that's happening to us twenty four seven, whether we're aware of it or not. They have a better relationship with themselves inside, a stronger relationship with their ego, um, better management of their self talk. All all kinds of things happen here. Yeah, it's it's so huge. You know, it may. It, I hope 
somebody is listening to this podcast that's right now, they're young, they're thinking about going into the coaching business, and they take this information that you're saying right now, they take it to heart and they remember this because you're not just becoming a coach. You're not just going to stand there and tell somebody how many reps to do or how to improve their technique. You might be effectively helping this person change their life immensely. It's yeah. it, it it's crazy. Like what kind of job it really is, how, how deep and connected you could become with your clients. It, it can be absolutely incredible. And like I said before, too, it's also a very great and powerful responsibility and one that I really hope that the next generation of coaches takes very seriously because, you know, we're not just entrepreneurs. We're not just, you know, trying to make money. It's like you have to legitimately want to help people. You have to legitimately want the world to be a better place because that's that's at the core of coaching is what you're doing. Um, you know, you the hope, is that through through learning what you're going to apply with your students and clients, you're going to embody that yourself. Through through that, you're going to inspire the people around you, your students, your, your clients, loved ones, friends, family. They're going to embody it and inspire other people around them. So there's that ripple effect. And with enough of that goodness, the hope is that we'll touch the whole world make the world a better place, but you, but you have to want that. You have to care. Yeah. And what happens if, if you don't, people are going to see right through it quickly, right? They're going to, they're going to be like, this guy doesn't really, yeah. this guy doesn't really care, but he just wants me to pay him a bunch of money and right. he can care less. They're going to know, they're, they're going to know. And then I think the, the coaches who do care that those are the ones that get all their business from word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there, you know, charlatans who are really good at convincing people that they care. And, yeah. You know, well, yeah, they got – they're going to have their own guilt to deal with on that, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, and that – I mean, that's in every industry too. I mean, that's everywhere. You go to a lawyer, you go to a doctor, right? <laughs> it yep. could be anybody. Yep. Yeah. And you can't, you can't actually tell sometimes. Yeah. In, in every industry, there are people who are not operating with integrity. And sometimes it's, it's hard to, to tell the difference. Um, in every industry, there are people who are really bad at their jobs and are really good at making it look like it's not them and it's someone else. Yeah. Right. But oh, you know what? At the end, all those people are going to get revealed by either from within in their own industry or the people they interact with, um, like the customers, clients, whatever. Right. And, and you'll, you'll be able to tell the good ones because they're still here. They're still doing it. Still here and still doing it. And speaking of that, how long have you been coaching Steel Mace for now? Uh, I've been coaching Steel Mace now for, I think, like six years. Think That's I'm a long time. Six years, yeah. I guess it's not a fad, huh? <laughs> not anymore <laughs> was it ever i mean i don't know i don't I think mean, so. i i've i've heard people say that i don't really yeah. give much credence to it you right know, I'm, I'm very confident in what i do and um whether it's seen as a fad 
or the next big thing, or it's got a lot of staying power and it's going to be here forever. I mean, obviously I hope it's the latter, but ultimately I'm, I know what I'm doing. I know how it helps people. And, and that's where I keep my focus. Jeff, if people want to uh, coach with you, whether in person or online, let's hear um, how they can get in touch with you and any other details that you want them to know. Yeah, a great way to reach me is going to be on the Instagram. You know, we talked a lot about what I've got on my feed, uh, you know, earlier in this conversation. That's at uh, jeffrey.oaks, uh, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot O-C-H-S. Uh, you can also find my website, intentionandflow.net. Uh, and um, what I've got going on there is I run a, a monthly program that uh, we have one steel mace flow class per week. And the way I teach steel mace flow also integrates a bit of the uh, you know, mindset, self-talk language stuff that we've been talking about as well. Um, and recordings are posted for those who can't make it. So that's another way to work with me. Um, and you can find me teaching a couple days a week in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan at a gym called Forged Barbell and Strength Academy. Um, and I'm also starting to do a little coaching out of uh, a jiu-jitsu school called Elite Jiu-Jitsu in Livonia, Michigan as well. So, Wow, that's really cool that you got those two places you're coaching out of. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, the jiu-jitsu school, it's, it's, it's a new thing. I've just done a little bit out of there, um, but we're looking to grow that and incorporate some more of the kind of work that I do outside of uh, jiu-jitsu and movement into uh, the program there as well. And is uh, Forged Barbell, are they more like a powerlifting, Olympic lifting type of gym? Yep, that's exactly Strong man. what it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, and it's a lot of fun because then I show up and do something completely different. Um, right. But but it's really cool because um, people find the translation in what I'm doing and how it affects them and helps them with their big lifts. I mean, I have uh, power lifters who come into my steel mace flow class because I taught them how to engage their lats with uh, doing proper arrows. And now some of their lifts are stronger because they know how to use big muscles that they weren't previously engaging properly. So, you know, steel mace flow, um, I really believe can have a lot of benefits to people across movement disciplines because yeah. it's a, it's a quality of movement practice at the end of the day, um, yes. from, the, from the movement perspective. And if your quality of movement and body awareness increases in one place, well, it's going to increase in others. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, those are the two places where steel mace flow or any whatever steel mace. Just get a steel mace into these jujitsu places. Get them into these powerlifting gyms, and you know, grab that big guy who's like, eh, your little mace doing that. Tell him, say, hey, I, yeah, here, do this. See, humble him a little bit, but you know, give him a pat on the back and say, all right, you ready to get serious now, man? Let's do this. Get serious and have some serious fun. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, have it's fun. Also, right. It's also a lot of fun. And at, at the very end of the day, the whole idea is that we're going to get better. Uh, we're going to celebrate. Yeah, man. That's a great message. All right. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Jeff. It was great having you. Everybody, check out Jeffrey Oaks on his Instagram. Follow him. Uh, go train with him. Check out his website. And... Um, See you at the next episode. Right Thanks, on. brother. Thank you so much for having me back, Fred. It's been a pleasure as always. Good to see you, man.
say hello to everybody else. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody lagging behind, tell them to connect with me and get them on the podcast. I'm trying to get back to everybody else that started this whole thing off. So right on, brother. We'll do. All right, man. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody.